The doctor said we were fortunate. 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 Did I say we were fortunate? Officers. <laughs> Swear I haven't been drinking. Oh. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode My Wonderful Mother. haven't written a whole lot about my mom, and yet she is in every story, because my mom is in every part of me. My wonderful mother was the ever-present gentle comfort of our lives. She was a stay-at-home mom up until I was in first grade. She had Lisa, my older sister, when she was still in college almost finished with her teaching degree. One more semester of student teaching, but she decided it wasn't worth it. She was missing too much of her baby's life. My grandmother, one of the very best people God ever created, was taking care of Lisa while Mom was going to school. Mom would pick Lisa up and Grandma would say, Oh, Lisa smiled today or she rolled over for the first time today. So mom did not finish school and became a full-time mother. As a side note, my mother went back to school when she was 50, right after her first grandchild was born and finished her degree, because she is awesome. My dad was starting his career as a mechanical engineer, designing cars and tractors. Mom was all set to be a stay-at-home mother. That all changed when my parents entered the school for officers' training with the Salvation Army to become Salvation Army officers, or pastors. I was six years old when we sold everything and left for Chicago. No longer was my mom going to be a stay-at-home mother. Fortunately, as officers, one has some flexibility. For the most part, my mom was always home to greet us when we came home from school. She always made dinner. Very rarely did we go out to eat. I'm not going to tell you she was a gourmet chef. Good family fare. We never starved, and dinner was usually very tasty. She could be creative sometimes. My favorite example, po-tunas, twice-baked potatoes with tuna fish and cheese. They really were not as bad as they sounded. I liked them, but they did not last in the dinner rotation. My younger brother DJ doesn't remember these. He is a chef, by the way, and would never consider making po-tunas. The only meal I did not like was chop suey. Oh, I could smell it the moment she started to make it. Those were dark days. She made a mean homemade pizza, and my favorite childhood meal was ground beef and tater tots. When we came home from school, Mom was always there. She took care of us when we were sick, came to all our band concerts and school plays. 
And if you like my storytelling style, you will love to hear my mother read a story. Mom read us stories all the time. When I was too old to have my mom read stories, I would listen in when she read stories to my younger brothers. I will never tire of hearing my mother read stories. She also has a beautiful singing voice, nothing better than hearing my mom sing with my dad playing along on his euphonium. My mother is truly what made our house a home. So none of us were ready when we got that phone call. I remember that day because it was my dad on the other end. I knew something was up for he never was the one to call. Well, I'm here in the hospital with mom. What? Is she all right? We don't know yet. Phyllis, Phyllis, you need to get back in bed. They're running some tests. Phyllis, you need to stay in the bed. You don't know yet what happened. I found her standing in the middle of the kitchen, completely confused. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know who I was. We've been back and forth to the hospital all day. Oh my gosh. Phyllis, stay in bed. But she's going to be all right. Like I said, we don't know anything yet. I will keep you posted. When my dad found her confused in the kitchen, he took her straight to the hospital. They told him she was simply low on potassium and sent them home and told her to eat a banana. But she didn't get better. So he took her back to the hospital and insisted that something more than low potassium was wrong, which was actually uncharacteristic for my dad. He has always been the walk it off kind of guy. When we were kids, if we got a deep cut, where most people would take their kids to the hospital for stitches, my dad simply cut a band-aid a special way that held the skin together, a butterfly bandage, he called it. It always worked, and I don't have any ugly scars from this method. Providentially, the right doctor was at the hospital and immediately ran some more tests and discovered that my wonderful mother had encephalitis, a swelling of the brain. Some kind of virus had caused this trouble. He began treatment right away. Encephalitis is something that can take one's life. Thankfully, because of the skill of the doctor and the persistence from my dad, we were spared that loss. She spent a week in the hospital. I came with my two-year-old Grace in tow the week she got home from the hospital to help my dad. I was shocked at her condition. She did not even acknowledge me when I came in and barely even responded to baby Grace, where normally she would have greeted us with true joy and would have had Grace in her arms instantly. She knew me, but could not remember my name. Frankly, she didn't even care. She hardly communicated and was suffering from an overwhelming headache, something my dad tried everything to alleviate for her. When my parents returned from her first doctor's visit, I learned how serious this attack truly was. The doctor said we were fortunate, for most people pass away within the first 24 hours of an attack like this. We had no idea how this was going to affect my mom. Only time would tell. It was going to be a long recovery. Again, through God's providence, my parents, who were still Salvation Army officers at the time, were stationed at a corps in Rockford, Illinois, which means they were pastors at a church in Rockford. 
and the people of that church surrounded my parents with amazing care. I lived in Kansas City, and my sister Lisa, who went the week after I did, lived in Colorado, and we both had young children to care for. As my mother began to heal and became more like herself, she regained some of her memories. The memory of that day, of course, is completely lost. Gradually, some of her memories returned. However, her memory never fully recovered. She remembered the names of the people closest to her, all her kids' names and the names of her brothers and sisters, but that was pretty much it for names. Even with longtime friends, she had trouble remembering their names. She could tell you all about them, but not their names. She still has trouble with names of simple things like a table. Mom, where did you put the bag I brought? Oh, I put it on the, um, the, the thing that you eat at. It has four legs and it's flat. It's actually wonderful to hear her description of simple objects. Basically, she has trouble with nouns. There's even a name for it, anomic aphasia. I think it's a testimony to my mom's creativity to hear her describe an item. However, she is often embarrassed that she can't remember simple words. And numbers were right out. Not only did this attack steal her memory, it took some of her self-confidence as well. She sort of took a few steps back. My mother, who always remembered everybody's name, and who taught so many Sunday school classes and Bible studies over the years, no longer felt confident to take the lead. It wasn't that she didn't remember all the material. She no longer was able to express it without stumbling over words. It was a long road to recovery, and she hasn't fully recovered her memory of words and names. She has learned to cope with this challenge. Part of the problem is before she was amazing with names. Now she is just like all the rest of us who never remember names. She has important dates and numbers all written down in a book so she can access them whenever needed. I remember when she was putting this book together, she called me to get everyone's birthday because my dad didn't remember them. When I told her I was 38 years old, she didn't believe me. Wendy, that is not even funny. You are not that old. It's true, Mom. I'm 38, and Lisa is 40, if you can believe that. Well, I guess I will have to, since I certainly don't remember. It has been 16 years since this attack. Yes, go ahead and add the numbers. You can figure out how old I am. I am ever thankful she recovered and we got our wonderful mother back. She is back in Rockford now with all those people who love her. And she works with my brother in his book business, dealing with all the children's books. She is still creative, using her sewing skills to make fun quilts, and as always, loving her family. True, she still struggles with names and words, but it's more fun to say it's over there on that flat object with four legs than the table anyway. So I am here with my wonderful mother, and uh, we're going to talk about 
while probably not her favorite time of her life. No, that's true. <laughs> so um, when, what is your first memory of all that, Mom? Well, probably I remember I, w- I was looking for my great-grandmother when she was going to come and visit. And she, of course, was gone. Long gone. Long yeah. gone. But that sort of was a, a, an indication that something wasn't right. So was that before you went to the hospital? Yes. So you were looking for your okay. I, that's that was I the real the reason to go to the doctor to start with. You know, I just was not quite with it, right. and that's when this the the doctor that I was so had she just had the flu or you know just it's it'll just go away, and then when I called we dad called emergency the doctor said go to this hospital, and the doctor that I got there was I think he had done some research into into encephalitis and. He told me what to do, do or told them what to do. Right, and uh, I kept. I saw him for a long time. Also, I didn't realize that you went to a different hospital. I just thought that another doctor had come no, on call. Or told whatever. me different, this different hospital. Okay. This was an emergency call, and that's what he told me. To do. Okay, do you remember being in the hospital at all? No, but you remember that beginning. That's interesting. I wasn't sick. Yeah, you were just wondering where your great grandma right. was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember me and Grace coming to visit, to be there that week at all? No. You were not uh, anywhere close so to So they yourself. tell me, I hear stories of how I was, which I don't remember. <laughs> yes. Which is probably just as well. Well, you know, that was a long time coming back. It was just sort of a slow recovery for that, right? Oh, yes. It was a long time. That was the year that we had our six weeks vacation time. Okay. And that we went to the cabin. I mean, we just spent that whole time up there, and I progressed slowly. I could walk down a little ways without losing strength, and, you know, Dad was just there. And Right, so I, you got also were physically unable to Yeah, I was just kind of things. out of it. Yeah, I remember we all came up to the cabin, too, mm-hmm. and that was hard. That was a hard time because all of a sudden, because you were always the one who managed everything and, did all the grocery shopping and cooked the meals and just was like, you knew, you knew how much we needed to make for all of this family and you weren't there no, to I help. And, and I was sort of like, um, well, I don't, I guess I have to do this, but I had no idea what I was doing and you weren't there to help really. I mean, you were there. Well, you but, did okay. We managed. Well, we didn't starve, but that was, that was hard. I don't remember all that. I, I don't, I don't really remember it. No, you were not. Um, no, I would have headaches and go lay down, and I had some sort of mach- medicine or a machine or something. I don't remember exactly, but something that helped with yeah. the headaches. Right. Well, yeah, because um, that week I came to visit you after the to help Dad after you came home from the hospital. I think that you could just barely move your head. And right. It was I just... never got headaches. I don't get headaches anymore. But at that time, they were really bad. None of that was good. But then you you started to regain, like you remember names of the people closest to you. Yes, for some reason or other, you know, they were more important. Well, I mean, you used them more and uh, yeah. more important, right. the names of your children. And but other names just didn't come and still don't come, right. really. Unless I say it over a billion times, and even then, I'm afraid to say it because I'm not sure that's what their name is. Right, right. It's rather embarrassing. 
But that's where many of us are, not remembering names. Well, yes, I know. You know, the people at the church were wonderful because when I came back to the church, we all wore name tags. People wore name tags because they knew that I wasn't going to remember their names. (laughs) And I also had some other people say, oh, I'm glad we have those name tags because I don't remember those names. (laughs) And it's embarrassing when you know somebody. They're close and you've been together, but you don't remember their name. Right, and you know you should remember yes, their name. Yes, I actually fall into that still today, however. Well, you're still not too great with remembering, well, nouns. That's still, those words are well. just gone for you. <laughs> sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> it's confusing. Trying to explain something gets really frustrating sometimes because I can't remember what it is I want to tell. I mean, the word is not there. Right. It might be a country, might be a name, it might be a some kind of experience, but I can't say it. And so I try to explain it, and explaining doesn't always get the message across, <laughs> which is slightly frustrating. Sometimes yeah. just give up. Okay, it doesn't matter. Well, I, like I say in my story there, I was you know impressed with Dad's tenacity to make sure you got the right care. Yeah, and uh, you were telling me earlier something about the doctor that you were seeing in Wichita and saying that you know that some people who've had the encephalitis are much worse than oh you. yes his his father had had it okay and he was just not really capable of being on his own and just wasn't good at in good health at all and i've heard other stories like that so i'm very blessed to be a person that if you expected me to be different it would be for some other reason yeah i mean you can still read and comprehend Whatever you're um, reading. Yeah, and pretty much normal overall. You're just not going to remember the name of the book you're reading. <laughs> yes. Names and numbers are not in my brain. That's not unusual. Just remembering the name of something or, you know, I'm going to make whatever for dinner, you know. I don't know what that is. I can tell you all about it, but I won't be able to tell you what it is. It might come eventually, but usually not. Or when you're talking about people, you know, you're like, oh, "Oh, you know, we've known them forever, and we... Right. Yeah, you know, she has two boys, and she has blonde hair, and, and, uh, you know, when you see them, you recognize them, but I can't remember the names. (laughs) Yes, I have this all the time, which is so frustrating, because if I want to communicate something, I mean, I want to be able to tell you something that happened, and it requires that I tell you the person that it happened with, but I can't. It's just not there. Like you say, I can tell you all about them, but not their names. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I took tests, actually. Oh, you did? Yes. And the part of your brain that remembers those different sides of the brain, and that's just the only side that was affected, evidently. Names and numbers just aren't there. But I remember other things. For the most part, it doesn't remember clearly to repeat, so I usually write things down. So, like, if somebody says, remember these numbers, 2, 5, 10, Oh, I would not do those at all. (laughs) Oh, numbers wouldn't stick at all. But just even some kind of information or some kind of details on things, it doesn't register fully to stick. Yeah. I mean, I I understand what you said, but when I try to say it, it doesn't come out right. So writing it down helps. Yes, I'm sure. Or I just don't try to do it. (laughs) So it is. I just get along just fine. So, Mom, what are some of the things you do to cope with those little missing pieces? Well, writing things down is is probably the most important thing. I mean, I have a list of names because I'm not going to remember their names, but I might want to contact somebody. So names of the 
you know, who's the pastor of the church? Oh, gee, I don't remember that name. But, you know, I have things written down, which is basically what I do most of the time. Or just, I'm not as confident to take on responsibilities of, of doing things that I might have done in the past. Right. But overall, I pretty much live a normal life. But you don't make potunas anymore. <laughs> no, I haven't made potunas in a long time. <laughs> As an experiment, you know, hey, you got to try things. <laughs> I didn't hate them. I thought that, you know, I thought they were pretty good. You know, try new new things, and if you don't like them, you don't make them again. Yeah, I think you had a theme with the tuna fish because we had po tunas, and then you did those tuna burgers where you made you had the hamburger bun and put tuna right, salad yeah. on and like cheese. Tuna and, fish is good for you, right? Wasn't my favorite either, but you know, you're supposed to eat fish. And so that was going to be tuna fish. I don't know. <laughs> None of this ago. other kind of fish. <laughs> no, you can get good fish. So that's okay. I'm hesitant to even say it, but maybe if you made chop suey now, I might like it. But I just, I just still have that like childhood memory. Well, that's too bad because chop suey is a tradition in my family. I know. It's not my recipe. It's my grandmother's recipe. And it was your grandmother's. Oh, yes. It's always been in my family. I feel so bad. I know that Grandma loved it. Oh, yeah. And she even got Grandpa to eat it, who never eats that kind of stuff. Meat and potatoes for Grandpa. You haven't made this chop suey, though, in a long time. It's been a while. Did Dad like it? I mean, Dad ate everything. Oh, Dad liked it. Dad liked most food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he liked it. Oh, so, okay, so chop suey is a family recipe, now, and I've broken the chain. Which grandma are we talking about? This was my mom's family. My mom's mom. Hilda. Hilda Cottrell. How about that? I remembered her name. Wow, look at that. <laughs> you even got that last name there, Mom. Way to go. It's family. It is family, right. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out where Hilda Cottrell learned chop suey yeah where what i don't know i have no idea where did she get that recipe i mean weren't we always michiganders i mean hilda's always been in oh yes michigan was their home i mean you know that famous yeah. michigan chop suey <laughs> i i don't know where she learned it I, maybe my great-grandmother made it my great-grandmother had a chinese uh Guy who lived with them and did uh, service, and so maybe that's where it came maybe from. Maybe that's it. That's right, because she had, he worked for her, and then he became her cook, right? Right. He lived there, and uh, yeah. Okay, well, maybe that's it. Could be. Your great, your great-grandmother yes. maybe learned it from her Chinese cook. Could be. And then passed it down to Hilda. That's where my grandparents lived. They lived in the basement of my great-grandmother's house. Edda. Edda. That is my great-grandmother, yeah. Was he from China? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. So Edda had a Chinese cook. Yeah, well, he was the housekeeper, cook. Yeah, he lived there. and He lived in the house? Lived someplace near. I don't Actually, I don't know if he lived in the house, to tell you the truth. So maybe that is where it could uh, be. the beginning of chop suey became a family recipe. I don't know. It recipe. certainly was a family recipe. Wow. And I... Thought that stuff was like the end of the world when you were cooking. I could smell it the minute you started, and it was like, oh no, my life is over. I'm probably it's never going to eat bad. again. 
Well, you know, I was young and dramatic. Yes, I, I understand. <laughs> Not everybody likes it. It's, you know, pork and bean sprouts and celery and onions and, you know, hey. I don't know. That's why I say, you know, if you made it now, maybe I would like it. And maybe not, huh? I'm not saying you should make it. Okay. I won't like it when you're around. Have you made it? When is the last time you made it? A long time ago. I don't know. I haven't made I don't cook much of any real meals anymore when it's only me. Well, you need to teach it to DJ, though. If it's a family recipe, the cook, the chef of our family needs to... Well, that's to, a point. Uh, he, he would make it, I'm sure. He probably would have his own way of doing it. I know, he wouldn't it, follow but... the recipe, right? I feel like it needs to be passed on down. Well, none of the other uh, family members, Lisa, they, I don't know, they don't make it, I'm sure. Lisa didn't like it? Oh, I don't know if she didn't that like it. That sounds like something remember. she would eat. I don't remember. We just discovered the, the, the origin of chop suey in your family. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Had to come from somewhere, I guess. Do you have that? Do you have the recipe written down somewhere? I'll have to share it with everyone. Or do you just have it in your brain, uh, which means it's lost forever? Well, I don't know what. I mean, you just throw it together with, you know, the stuff that you put in there. Yeah, but what do you put in there, Mom, besides put- celery, pork, bean sprouts, well, you know, a little molasses, a little uh, uh, sugar, a little, uh, let's see, it's about, that's probably about it. Mix those things together, a little Worcester sauce probably, and I don't know. That's Once I start throwing it together, then... Please, it- can you tell me that that does sound horrible? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> a little what? molasses, a little Worcester sauce. Yeah, but that, you know, you fix other things. You just kind of put things in it to make it taste like it's supposed to. I, I mean, I get that. That's how I cook, too. Just put, that must be, see? Look at that. I learned that same cooking from my it mother. Because people will say, what tip, how long do you cook this, Mom? Uh, until it's done. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> how much do you put in there? Just enough to make it taste like it's supposed to. There it is. I learned those cooking skills from my mother. See? See? It works. Who needs exact measurements, do right? You, do you like what she cooks? All right, then. Rand, as, um, let me just, for the note, a note here that Randy shook his head in the affirmative when my mom asked if he liked what I cooked. So, <laughs> so it's okay. She does all right. <laughs> <laughs> but they, my, my family does give me a hard time when they ask me, how, you know, how much do you put in there? I don't, just uh, some, just put some in there, enough to make it taste like you it's have a general, general idea. What she says is a titch. <laughs> I don't say a titch. <laughs> That's not or a, a word. Skosh. Oh, well, those yeah, are interesting words. Yeah, you could okay. just put a skosh. <laughs> That's a those real word. Those aren't ones I've used. Well, anyway, I won't be making chop suey with a skosh of molasses and a titch That's of Worcestershire sure. sauce. Works. <laughs> you make what you like. I might make, um, I used to make ground beef and tater tots. That's a real simple one. Yeah, but then I felt like, is this really healthy? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you put peas in there too ah there we go you put peas in there to make it healthy (laughs) (laughs) well you don't have to but (laughs) 
This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe, and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at OnCarlsonDrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.